0: Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health. And here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Kaiser Permanente acquiring Geisinger Health in a bid to create a new value-based care platform with regional health systems. What does their new platform mean for consumers? And will other systems expedite their plans to explore new value-based agreements at scale? I'll talk about that. Then Mitch Holdwick joins me for another Disruptor Profile. Mitch and I evaluate Crossover Health's disruptive potential in the self-insured employer space. The success of Crossover's membership-based model can be attributed to the growing number of self-insured companies that are taking on the risk of paying healthcare providers themselves rather than paying money to an insurance company. There's lots to talk about, so it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Is West Coast managed care coming to Northeastern Pennsylvania? Not exactly, but we'll all be watching very closely now because of Kaiser Permanente's announcement that they plan to acquire Geisinger Health. Here are the reported details. Kaiser Permanente is acquiring 10 hospital Geisinger Health in a deal described as a first step towards a new multi-system value-based care organization. That new entity called Risent Health will be a nonprofit organization that operates separately and distinctly from Kaiser's core integrated care and coverage model. Both sides call this a chance for Geisinger to strengthen its care services and due to its participation in a broader value-based platform, benefit from enhanced model design, pharmacy, consumer digital engagement, health plan product development and purchasing. What does this mean for consumers? As we know, health systems have a mixed track record when it comes to implementing value-based care. These models can have varying degrees of risk, but I'd consider most of them to be steps in the right direction for consumers because they can provide incentives for providers to work together for the patient's benefit and pay more attention to the experience that they're providing. I like that part. I also like that this is coming from a traditional provider system and not from the outside. I'm an evangelist as you know for more disruptive innovation from the inside and seeing more systems willing to find a lane to swim in while still operating their existing models we need more systems willing to experiment like that and i like that kaiser appears to be willing to invest real dollars at scale so will it work and will other systems expedite their plans to explore new value-based agreements at scale file that under it remains to be seen but either way i like seeing billions of dollars being invested into innovative care models because that's what we need to make the healthcare system easier for consumers it's time for more health systems to make their move that's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow and that's the flavor of the week
1: All right, let's get into the flow, everybody. Give it up for Mitch Holdwick. Mitch is back. We're going to do another profile of a disruptor. Mitch, welcome back to the Healthcare Wrap.
2: Thanks for having me back, Jared. Couldn't wait, and I'm glad and excited to talk about uh, our profile today. I am too. You know,
1: these things are giving us a chance to dive a little deeper into organizations that are out there, they're doing really interesting work. They have some disruptive potential. We're even going to give that a grade later on. But yeah, I mean, we're going to dive into Crossover Health today, which is one of those I've heard of, slightly familiar with, but they haven't been in the you know—in the middle of that radar screen. It always right. feels like you've got the big four retailers and you've got, you know, some of those middle children out there, you've got pay payviders that are all taking a lot of the headlines. And then we have companies like this that are like, whoa, the deeper you dive, the more it's, it's pretty clear that they're onto something. So maybe we can start at the beginning in terms of crossover health, but, uh, Let's, let me just check in with you personally first. How how things been? What's the latest with you?
2: Oh, well, you know, up in uh, Michigan, it is slowly starting to warm up. We uh, came out of a pretty icy winter and early spring, and birds are chirping. The sun is shining, and I'm happy about that. Also excited just to see where everything is going, as you mentioned, with these profiles, particularly those that have a focus on disrupting. You know, primary care models, not just from a technology perspective, but a process perspective. It's really enlightening and encouraging to see that blend of innovation, but an innovation for the right reasons to provide better care, more holistic care. So um, super excited about what's going on in the industry and, and life is life is pretty good. I can't complain.
1: That's awesome. And uh, as always, it's always just a good excuse for us to be able to catch up, to be able to do these episodes together. Absolutely. So. Let's dive in here Mitch. Let me uh, let me set the stage with some basic info about Crossover Health and then uh, we can talk through kind of some of what their disruptive qualities may or may not be, but at some basics to start off with. So Crossover Health designs and delivers membership-based primary care and secondary care services to self-insured employers. So there's some parts of that that we've discussed more in detail than others as far as other disruptors that have been out there, but To me, right off the bat, it makes a lot of sense to optimize and use some of the new abilities of a primary care provider at the employer level. Self-insured employers, in my experience and in just chatting with folks, are always on the lookout and quite frankly, it's just one of those burdens that falls on uh, the benefits provider, the the team that chooses what plan at a self insured employer. You know, how are they going to treat their employees? How are they going to take care of them? I don't know if anyone goes out there and looks forward to that process and thinks it's fun. That's not the norm. It's usually like, ah, oh, we have to figure this out. And so we'll see if if some of the things that crossover does helps improve and simplify that process for the employer themselves but that's definitely where they want to go. So a couple of interesting things about them so far, I'm just looking at Crunchbase and at their own website. Some of the messaging that sticks out at the beginning is how they describe it as virtual and in-person healthcare on your terms. And right off the bat, that's one of those things that we hear a lot about. Hey, is virtual taking over everything? Absolutely not. I think there's more of a consensus building that virtual and in-person care makes a lot of sense and offers a lot of the flexibility. Kind of like there's, I mean, in my mind, not one simple answer to a return to the office for offices, you know, for work. Right, kind of there's, a hybrid. Yes, yes. So what are some of the other basics about these guys that you've seen?
2: I, You know what stuck out to me, Jared, was the, I always go to like the mission statement, some of the words they use, not just on the website, but in some of their, you know, content and their, their goal is very simple, to optimize health outcomes. And when I see health outcomes, that to me really speaks to the clinically driven innovation. In other words, you have a lot of kind of providers emphasizing the need to not just optimize experience with health outcomes. In my experience working with folks on both sides, I think that's a real emphasis amongst the providers is to not just, is to really focus on innovation and work that's going to ultimately improve outcomes. So that to me is a, a, it's a great sign. And it also just speaks to the kind of clinical breadth that's behind this group. And then the fact that they, they emphasize the need to be well, to do good and enjoy life. And in a lot of the publicly available information on the website and other content that emphasis of enjoying life is important and that speaks not only to their holistic approach to care, but to really, you know, helping their members and others understand the need that, listen, we're not just here to do interventions or even prevention, which are both critically important, but ultimately we want you to be able just to enjoy life and do what, do what brings meaning to you. So I I like that. And sometimes words are just words, but, Some of the research we did, I think they've got a lot of good reason to think that there's uh, action behind that and they're they're bringing really good resources to their members.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like you said, words are sometimes just words, but that's what people's experience is if they're not familiar with these guys yet. So if they're investigating different plans and different memberships, different ways to provide primary care to their employees, and this is one they look at, then they are going to consider that the same way you did. And one of the other statements on their site says that a crossover, you're not limited by your insurance coverage. You save time and money and you get a team to help you focus on your health every day, not just when you're sick. That's one of these pieces that of the macro theme or the trend that I've noticed is the marketing at disruptive primary care providers is very different. And they go straight at traditional healthcare provider organizations, health systems, hospitals, and provider groups. To say, look, this is the main reason why you're going to want this is because it's not just to that the point of that statement. We're going to help you focus on your health every day, not just when you're sick. Those are things we used to say just in the industry. Now it's you know right out there. Some of these primary care disruptors are referring to it and making that a marketing point, a differentiator, a way to value the experience that they're providing. I think part of that's really interesting from from a numbers standpoint. Some of the stats that they put on their website the number one stat that i saw was having to do with satisfaction they said 93% of their members love the care they receive at crossover not just like but love in in quotes <laughs> where well, they said 81% of crossover members consider them their medical home fascinating to me i'd love to see you know i'm always one that's like i'm you know i trust and then verify right <laughs> so i'd love to see how that question was worded but that speaks to something of a shift in Perception of how primary care can help you. Then, two others. There was one about savings. It says crossover's care model can deliver a fifteen percent reduction in total healthcare healthcare costs. And then uh, their availability. They're now licensed in all fifty states to provide online care. So
2: interesting, right? Yeah, it is. And I think that that last stat, the fifteen percent on average, you know, there is an emphasis on reducing costs. So that that's kind of their KPI, or key performance indicator, is reducing costs and preventative care and really kind of putting um, quantitative numbers behind that, I think, is an interesting approach. And one other stat that I saw, Jared, on the website that I thought was enlightening and a good differentiator is they call out, I'm not sure how they came up with it, but 80% of what makes individuals healthy is the behaviors they engage in as well as their environments. Only 20% is due to medical intervention. So it kind of goes back to your point of of where we're seeing more and more messaging being very direct kind of opposition to the current primary care model, but also helping consumers, members, and the public think of a, of a different approach and just to kind of reimagine what could be from a, a primary care. That's a, a refreshing approach.
1: I think so, too. And one theme that we've talked a lot about lately is partnerships. What's interesting here is that those partnerships aren't necessarily just between a health system and what we'd consider a non traditional player in the field, but someone like Crossover, they actually work with, I guess it'd be more considered clients or customers. But to me, it's almost, it still feels like a partnership. So for Crossover, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Comcast are among their clients. Their providers now oversee 400,000 patients across the country. Their most well-known partnership is with Amazon, which uses them to power their 17 in-person clinics, including one near its fulfillment center in San Bernardino, California. They're not just sitting out there trying to do this all on their own. They're working with some of the larger provider groups. I do wonder if that last part about working with Amazon and their in-person clinics, I don't know if that changed with the shuttering of Amazon Care Care, so that's a question I don't have. I, I fully admit I haven't been able to find that yet, but they also are building health centers, so in-person clinics in New York, Seattle, and Austin. Not too surprised, I mean, those, those locations actually kind of make sense to me, especially if Amazon, if there's still a, a client-partner relationship there, absolutely makes sense. Looks like they have a couple, a couple of others. There's uh, They're in Flatiron in New York. And then Austin, it says, coming in 2023. So interesting, as, as always, that's a big investment, big expense to do the in-person part. So to understand that, that that makes sense, part of their business model is always a part that stands out to me. What else about their growth or their locations or their clients or anything related to that kind of stuck out to you?
2: Yeah, I think that is interesting how they're, they're kind of diversifying their services Um across the country and in areas where there's a need for it. But I also the other the other point I found really interesting, kind of going back to their emphasis on behaviors as an indicator or a way for people to improve their health, their what they call their Be Well proprietary platform of wellness content. I thought was really interesting. It's available to all of all of their members and it seems like it's a resource that's utilized quite a bit. By their providers and all the members of their their care team, so that it goes beyond just a prescription pad. They can actually refer their members to this resource of wellness content that's providing you know meaningful, not just you know recipes, but activities and ways to live a healthier life and a happier life. So I thought that was kind of like the kind of how the sausage is made or the secret sauce to what they're doing is creating this platform or content that they can refer their members to. So it's not just the traditional aspects of, of medicine or intervention.
1: Yeah, that is an important component, isn't it? I love that. That also, as a marketing component, I imagine it, it gives them a lot more fuel to that fire of being able to grow, especially in areas where they are looking at adding an in-person clinic of some kind or working potentially with a large employer that they're trying to bring in as members. So yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of it.
2: I was going to say that you know retention too, right? We we see that so much in the industry that there's more of an emphasis, especially with the shift of value based care around retention and creating content like that. I think is a good driver, um, a good strategy, I should say, for retaining members and keeping folks engaged.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. That might just float the the popularity of exploring an option like this for a while because yeah I don't I don't see that going away anytime soon. It's a conversation that probably needed to happen a lot sooner, like much earlier. But hey, now we are talking about this all the time. We are talking about burnout, employee engagement, to your point, just keeping people happy for the right reasons, making it worthwhile to perform highly and be engaged in their work. So, yeah, that's absolutely a big piece. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break.
0: Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On the Hello Healthcare podcast, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. These stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Learn more at hellohealthcare.com. And now back to the show.
1: What about other things here? I mean, a couple of the other headlines are just uh, parts of their their trajectory included. Back in 2019, they acquired Sherpa Health as a virtual primary care platform. They, so far, I mean, their total, according to Crunchbase that they've raised, is quite a bit it's it's almost 300 million dollars it's 281 million they've been uh, going for quite a while it looks like they have at least uh, there it says they have between 500 and 1000 employees total they've had a series D round of funding you know that means they're they're not the new kid on the block <laughs> they've gone through some some maturity financially to be able to get to that point and have been able to convince uh, investors at some point that it's worth the growth that they expect to have from this point i just thought you know all those parts are interesting and as well as just the the overall thought of some of the the partnerships i feel like they're they're looking to get in november 2022 they announced some of the new employers in the seattle area so they're clearly trying to go in certain areas i think this is one of the very clear paths or parts of the playbook for any of these disruptors. You can go back to, to Chen Chenmet or Oak Street or just about anyone we've talked to. No one tries to go nationwide with anything in person all at once. It's very clearly a gradual thing. You have to prove it. You have to get some revenue generated and you have to prove it in each area. So the fact that that's kind of happening gradually too, I think is part of the playbook. And I think there's a lot to To that growth formula, That's just something for other people to pay attention to. Where would you like to see them go? Is it do you think it's worth building more clinics, like more you know more in person opportunities here? Do they need to grow their virtual capabilities? What, what What would you like to see from them?
2: I think you know I, we didn't talk about the technology because you know all these groups. I think one one constant we see Jared is this, is this nice blend of services and unique models you know operational models but also blending that with technology and I think in the case of crossover health there and where a lot of the money you mentioned is probably going towards is innovation and development around their data analytics and the technology platform that they're using you know with the employees or with their members permission using that data to really drive decisions and understand where there's a need and what the next you know, best action might be for them clinically and or otherwise. But it seems like just from the research I did that they've got a pretty unique platform and in-house analytics around, you know, accessing that data in a meaningful way that ultimately serves their members in a positive way. So I think that's, I'd like to see more of that and, and, and quite frankly, learn how that's being leveraged.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That does seem like an important kind of a tentpole to make sure they're building around. On the in-person side, I did find a, an updated article that said they, they have eight shared health centers, so in-person clinics in Texas, New York, and California. And then the same article, this was from March of 2022, so who knows, there may be even more since then, but it explains how their business model works. So they do charge a membership fee that's paid either by an, an individual or an employer. So they actually have plans for individuals as well. The thought is that they make their money by selling their plans directly to a member or to their employee partners. But either way, they don't bill insurance. So again, another trend, another commonality between a lot of other primary care disruptive models non-traditional primary care such as even direct primary care that's in common with a lot of different forms of direct primary care at least as of last march they offer three plans all of which offer the same care there's a 30 day membership for $200 there's a 90 day membership for $500 or you can pay $1500 for a full year of coverage which is it is interesting to see like that that's that's part so for members who have access to crossover through an employer sponsored benefit they work with their employer, Crossover works with their insurance to cover their annual membership fee and the care services. So ideally, the, the benefit to an employee of a company that uses Crossover, the employee themselves wouldn't have to cover that. That'd be part of the benefit that the employer provides. Then, then those members are billed for their visit fees. If there are any, as well as any other services that aren't covered by their membership so that can include specialty lab work that can, can include enhanced care services like acupuncture or vision care which may not be included in their benefits and insurance guidelines so there is still some interaction with other insurance and other parts of a benefits package that em, an employer could provide and I know that can get pretty tricky and pretty pretty opaque pretty fast so they offer these different plans but there's still some education that has to go on for the employee the person who's covered the patient, the consumer, the employee, whatever we want to refer to them as, there's still a decent bit of education that has to go on to understand, you know what, there's still some benefits that aren't covered, some that aren't, here's what it costs. And that is an area to continue to innovate on, I feel like, because just as quickly as we see new options and new opportunities and new choices to make Especially, I mean the the part here that I'm intrigued by is that they offer plans for individuals. You don't have to go through an employer, but that's clearly where their one of their main focuses is. It still comes back to this thought of I still need to feel comfortable as a consumer, understanding my choices and knowing which one's best for me on our recent episode with Chris McCann from Current Health, he just described how he moved from Scotland to uh, the East Coast in the u s fairly recently and one of the hardest things he's ever had to like a very challenging difficult thing was to choose his benefits plan <laughs> once he moved to the US he's like and he's been in this in this industry for a long time and it just reminded me you know what there's an opportunity to improve there's an opportunity right there to be more consumer first with our mindset and and not just stop at i'm not saying crossover stops here but as an industry it's a great reminder like, Let's not stop at the fact that we created an innovative model. We also have to educate people and help them understand the benefits of it and get them to trust that and try it out if, if they're an individual who wants to use Crossover. So yeah, it's just good to know. They're, well, let's tell you what, maybe we can rate their disruptive potential here. Some of the things we'd use to consider that are just like you know how unique are their business model, their leadership, just understanding where they can go from here. I mean, on their their potential, I feel like it's pretty strong. I do have some questions about how differentiated at the end of the day some of this is than than other primary care options, but I'd give them a solid probably an eight, eight out of ten. And I think, again, that's based on if they really can scale the hybrid of in-person and virtual care, and they really do focus on employer groups, that does seem like still an area for the foreseeable future for many years, quite frankly, because of the trend that you mentioned as well of being able to compete on their benefits packages, on taking care of their employees. I think it's going to happen for a long time. So I, I do think they have, like I said, it's hundreds of millions of dollars invested in it already. They're growing and it will be interesting to see where they go. I, I'd give them an, an eight.
2: Yeah, I actually had the exact same score, Jared, and I think the, what will help them Continue to move forward. The reason I kind of give them that high of a score is that I think they've got a, a good model, a good mix of an innovative process and an innovative model coupled with the technology. But then the challenge, as you mentioned and spoke to, is like, how do you help them actually understand what that means, what those benefits actually mean to them and how they can leverage that and access that? That's the challenge, but I'd I give them a solid eight for where they're at right now. Absolutely.
1: Awesome. Well, nice to uh, dive into these guys a little bit more, and I'll be keeping an eye on them to see where they go from here. But yeah, what a great opportunity for everyone involved here. And again, just seems like a worthwhile mission, first and foremost. anything. I mean, I'm a fan of subscription-based, membership-based A lot of people hear those terms and feel like it all means concierge medicine and that that's kind of a privileged offering, if you will. I've seen so many different forms of direct primary care and membership-based care that are more affordable, that are more available, that I just want to reiterate the fact that that in and of itself to me is not a block. Like It's not an obstacle to overcome by the fact that there's a membership-based or subscription-based type of of service. It does depend on how they execute it, but that in and of itself, yeah, I've seen so many different forms of it that do make it quite frankly a lot more affordable than than maybe a lot of us realize. So, I don't discount them because of that. I think that's actually a differentiator. It has the potential, but that's part of their story that they do need to make sure that people understand and can speak to what's happening that that's a benefit not an obstacle for them. So, Final thoughts with these guys.
2: Now that I would just, just to kind of amplify that last, you know, making that really accessible and tangible because you're right, there is that kind of misconception that it's, it's a white glove treatment, that because it's membership-based, it's not accessible or you can only get it through your employer. And there are groups um, like Crossover that are, are finding ways to create transparency in their pricing and, and, and their ability to access their services so yeah i see good things i see good things with them
1: outstanding well tell you what that's a wrap for this episode i've had the pleasure of speaking with mitch again about crossover health we're going to keep doing some ruptor profiles but thanks so much for again for joining me today mitch
2: my pleasure jared anytime
0: Thanks again.